Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Weird Because Normal Isn't Working series. This series looks at how God calls us to be set apart from the world's norms and how maybe as Christians we are called to shake things up. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. I don't know if you realize what happened this morning um, during worship, but uh, um, you just heard a song that was learned in the past 24 hours. And, uh, you know, we take worship seriously and we want to give God our best and we want to encourage you and help build you up. And so uh, I appreciate that group of folks who spent the last 24 hours learning a song for our behalf. So why don't we show them our appreciation? So we're in the middle of this series called Weird because normal isn't working. And we're looking at this truth that as followers of Jesus Christ, the rest of the world probably thinks that we're weird. Now, you think about that. If you were to come in here for the first time, you'd never known anything about Jesus, never known anything about church, you would probably say, well, you know, that, that's sort of strange what those people are doing. And I think about this just in, in, my, in my own understanding of where we are as a nation. These statistics are 20 years old, but 20 years ago, only 33% of the population could be found in a church on Sunday morning. So I don't know what it is today, but, but just think that through. So compared to the bulk of the, of the, of the nation, uh, we're not doing what, what's normal. And I think about that, you know, when we come in here and we, we spend a, a few minutes uh, praising God. And, and as Paul says, uh, we uh, lift holy hands in prayer and worship and, and we bow our heads and we close our eyes and, and we, we really sing songs that have been really picked with lyrics that are to praise God and build the body of Christ up. So, so think that one through. To, to the rest of the culture, uh, we would be considered uh, strange. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at this whole idea that uh, we are called to follow Jesus and make our desires equal to his desires. The desires of this world, we may call them normal. The desires of Jesus, um, we may, you know, the world may consider them weird. So if you would, let's just bow our heads and uh, prepare for this. Lord, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you that you have brought us here to this place and that you have put us in this room today to hear from you. So, Lord, I, I pray that you would use me, that I would get out of the way, and you would say what you want to say. And I pray for every one of us that we would have ears to hear and that we would not just let it go in one ear and out the other, but that we'd actually take it in and apply it to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you thought about it this morning or not, but... When you chose to come to church, as I've already pointed out, you did something that a lot of people would think is odd. You gave up your discretionary free time to go to church. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, on behalf of brothers and sisters in Christ that we connect with, thank you uh, that you have made this time to really focus on God this morning. So uh, just think about the significance of that. And... Uh, what we're saying today is we want our desires to be God's desires. That's why we gather together uh, in church on Sunday. Let, let me just share with you something that Craig, Pastor Craig Rochelle wrote. He said, you know, in today's world, for many people, Sunday is just a normal day. Another day of work, 
uh, another day of the weekend for chores or errands, a day to sleep in until noon, a day to watch sports. Or for some people, it could be the busiest day of the week because you and your family spend time going to and from church. And and although I know worshiping at church is a life-giving part of the week, I know it can be very time and energy-consuming, especially for parents. But just as your body needs sleep, your soul needs time to rest in God, to learn more about God, to talk to God, to worship and praise God, to fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So it's important that we set aside this time. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question right now, and it's going to delineate uh, your lives uh, really regarding to age. How many of you remember seeing Chariots of Fire? 1981 is when it came out. So uh, for those of you who have no clue what I'm talking about, um, you really need to go watch this movie. Uh, I, I want to encourage you, and everybody that raised your hand will attest to you. It was a, it was a phenomenal movie. Uh, um, it was powerful because it was about a legendary British athlete and a Christian missionary named Eric Liddell. And uh, he was Britain's Olympic star sprinter for the 1924 Olympics. His race was the 100-meter race. When he found out that the first 100-meter race would be, that he had to run in would be on a Sunday, he decided immediately that he could not run that race. Sunday is God's day. And he was committed to honoring Sunday. So just because he was in Paris, just because he was at the Olympics, he was not going to compromise his beliefs. He was not going to compromise his commitment. Now, most normal people today would think him more than just a bit weird. Uh, They would think him foolish for passing up a chance at personal glory and international acclaim. People that day... In 1924, in his country, his countrymen and women uh, really called him a traitor for his unusual stand. Even the Prince of Wales begged him to change his mind. But this uncommon man made an uncommon stand. And in the next race, the 400-meter race, which was not run on a Sunday, he beat the runner-up. By 15 meters, he won the Olympic gold and he set a new world record in the 400 meters. Now, though he could have done almost anything with his life after that success, Eric and his family moved back to China to serve as missionaries. Though many would scoff and dismiss his decision as weird, I suspect that God would applaud louder than anyone who saw him win the gold medal that day. Think about that. We're going to be talking about, about desires today. And, and normal human desires, the normal human desires that we have oftentimes clash with the values, with the desires of heaven for the followers of Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote, wrote something 2,000 years ago. Apostle John, excuse me, wrote this 2,000 years ago. And it's, it's just, it's powerful for what we're talking about and where we are as people. Listen to this from, from 1 John For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. 
And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Let's look at some of those normal desires first that that we all have. Again, Pastor Craig Rochelle has written, if you want what normal people have, do what normal people do. But if you want what few people have, do what few people do. And I'm here to tell you that what few people have is Jesus. And if you will come into a relationship with Jesus, if you'll know him, he will change everything in your life for the better. So let's talk about what we want out of life, what our desires are. Look, our, this is what our culture says. Our culture says if it feels good, do it. Our culture says, you know, uh, let's go for instant gratification. So here's normal. Normal, I'm going to tell you what two normal things are. Here's the first one. The normal way is people want what they want now, not later. I'm guilty. You know, I, I'm impatient. I, I want what I want now and not later. Um, you know, we like fast food. And if it's not fast enough, we complain, Right? Yeah, Um, we want quick service wherever we go. Uh, You know, many of today's businesses are trying to deal with that fact that we're instant gratification people. I know in some markets around our country, Amazon is actually doing same day delivery on things that people buy. That that is mind boggling. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, Think about this. I mean, uh, if you go to a place where you want to hook into the Wi-Fi and the Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi uh, speed is not fast enough, yeah, you get frustrated, right? And you may even walk out. I mean, we want what we want, how we want it, when we want it. It's not something new. It, it's, a, it's, it's part of the human condition because we're self-centered. We want what we want now, and we're not willing to wait. Uh, in, the, in the book of Luke, in the gospel of Luke, chapter 15, Jesus tells this story that, that deals with a young man who was wrestling with that same issue. It's the story of the prodigal son. And if you don't know the, the story, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you today, but I would encourage you to read chapter 15 of Luke. Uh, the, this young man wants his inheritance Not when his father dies, but he wants it now. Listen to what he says. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Basically what he's saying is, I wish you were dead, dad. I want what I want now, not when you die. I want it now. And amazingly, amazingly, his father gave him his inheritance. This loving, this compassionate, this patient father did this. In the story of the prodigal son, you see this father who is patiently waiting for his son to come back, to come back to him, to come back home. In the story, Jesus says the prodigal son basically runs through his inheritance like it's like water. Uh, You know, he becomes destitute. And in his mind, you know, he realizes this. He says, you know what? Even the lowest of the lowest employees on my father's estate make a living wage. So so I'm just going to go back and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to tell dad I'm sorry and I'm just going to ask to be hired on at the lowest 
of the lowest positions. If you read the story of the prodigal son, you realize that the father doesn't have a, I want what I want now, not later. He's got a long view of time. And he's been waiting, hoping, praying for his son to return. And so we pick up in verse 22, uh, excuse me, in verse uh, 20. It says, while the prodigal son was still a long way off, he, he was coming home and he could see him in the distance. The father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And he said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Such a powerful story. Sort of a juxtaposition between the I want it now of the son and the long, patient waiting of the father. Now look, I... I doubt, I doubt you are, you know, thinking about going to your parents and asking for your inheritance now. But we do live in an instant gratification culture. We, we want what we want now. But that isn't always what's best for us. So, uh, not only is this normal, the normal way in our culture... Uh, to want what you want now, but, but here's another observation about our culture. The, the normal way is people trade the ultimate for the temporary. People trade the ultimate for the temporary. Have, have you ever sold something or traded something away that you wish you hadn't? Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe it was an heirloom or something significant that uh, your parents gave you at a young age. You didn't appreciate it, and you traded it for something more exciting, more relevant, and now you regret it. That heirloom means so much to you now, much more than when you had it, and, and you wish you did have it. And whatever you traded it for, whether it was cash or, or something else, uh, it's long gone. Uh, it, it's... It's broken, it's used up, it's thrown away, it's, it's gone forever, and, and you'll never get that significant thing back. You know, it's that idea that sometimes we trade the ultimate for the temporary. We see this in Scripture. In the book of Genesis, Genesis um, uh, 25, we, we see this. There's, it's the story of Esau and Jacob. They were, they were twins, and Esau, Esau was the firstborn. As the firstborn, he was entitled to the blessing of his father, a double share of his inheritance. He would basically get whatever his father left, and the other children, siblings, wouldn't. But Esau really took that inheritance for granted um, you know, and he didn't, he didn't have the attitude of the prodigal son. He, he, he didn't say, you know, I want it now. He just didn't care. Uh, and his brother didn't have that attitude of I want it now, but he did want the blessing that Esau didn't want. Let's read from Genesis 25. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. 
Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? Esau didn't value something that that had significant purpose. He didn't value what was ultimate. He wanted something that was temporary. That bowl of stew was going to last maybe two hours, keep his hunger at bay for maybe two hours. He didn't understand what was of ultimate value. What about you? Are you tempted to give away something that is ultimately more valuable for something that's exciting and fun right now? But the excitement and the fun will lose its luster tomorrow. Maybe you've been tempted right now to to trade something of of ultimate value for something that's temporary. We're talking about ultimate value. We're talking about things that will last for eternity. We're talking about the things of God. When I was in seminary studying, studying to be a pastor, uh, there was a woman who came. She was a medical missionary. She, uh, she was from overseas, and she'd come to, to receive a theological under uh, education to, to, so to enhance what she was doing in medical missionary in other parts of the country. She'd never been in America, so she only knew about America. And she quickly became dismayed with me and the other students in the seminary because We're always talking about going out and having fun. And she said, you know, when I am working with people, we're generally in life and death situations. And time is of the essence to, to, to heal them or to tell them about Jesus. And, and, and going out for a fun time, a, a temporary experience just, It didn't, it didn't, she didn't, she couldn't wrap her head around it. And it was challenging. I still remember that Ellen shared that with me all those time, all that time so far ago. She understood that our quest for a fun time was like trading a birthright for a bowl of stew. What's your bowl of stew? What's that temporary pleasure that you're really longing for or involved in right now that pales in comparison to eternity? Maybe you're tempted or maybe maybe you've traded already. What is your bowl of stew? Now listen, uh, these desires that we want... uh, that we want now, uh, not later, that we want to trade the ultimate for the temporary. Uh, Having those desires, having those temptations, there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of of being human. But God has something better for us. Now let's look at what Scripture says about what God has for us. What, what the culture may say is when we adopt these values, these desires may say that we're weird. Here's the first one. God's way is a way of patience and self-control. Scripture says this in Proverbs, better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. You know, God's word tells us to be patient. And scripture tells us time and time again that we're supposed to be good and faithful stewards of everything that God's blessed us with, our time, our talent, our treasure, and our touch. Think about that. That means we need to manage everything. 
with some patience, with some self-control. You know, when it comes to money, I, I taught my kids this. I, said, I taught my kids, you know, when you, when you get some money, here's what you do. The, the first 10% of what you get, you give it to God. Because Scripture tells us to honor God, to worship God that way, to, to put Him above everything, to give Him the first tenth, to honor Him that way, to trust Him that you can live with the other 90%. And then I taught him this, that now with the second tenth, put it in a savings account. Save it. Because you may need something in the future. And then I said, go ahead, take the rest, the 80% that's left over, go ahead and do it. But that, that took patience, and that took self-control. But that's what God teaches us to do, to be stewards of, of everything that we've been given, our time, our talent, our treasure, our touch, our care for other people. That we, We've been put in a place to care for people. To be a wise manager of all we've given is going to require some patience and some self-control. The world would say, spend it now. If you like it, buy it. Here's another thing where God speaks to us. You know, when it comes to sexuality, God's placed some structure around that for us, for our good. God tells us in his word that, that sex is to be, a, to be saved for an emotionally and physically safe place inside the structure of marriage that he created, that he instituted. God says, wait, so you can enjoy all of that in the best way possible. God says, wait. Our culture says, if it feels good, do it. So patience and self-control. Patience and self-control are, are fruit of the Spirit. God tells us that love is patient. Throughout the New Testament, we're told to be patient and self-controlled. Why? Because God is holy. We talked about this last week. You can listen to it online. But, but God's holy. To be holy means uh, to be set apart, to be different than the rest of the world. And, and as God is holy, we're called to be holy like God. So God calls us to be set apart from the ways of the world, to be, to be, to be different than the world, to be like Him, to allow His desires, His values to become our desires and our values. Being patient and self-control are values that help us be holy and like God. This leads me to the next point. God's way is seeking his desires until they become our desires. God's way is seeking his desires until they become our desires. God wants us to follow him and to follow his ways and to embrace his thoughts. In Psalms, we read this, Take the light in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Look, when we decide to follow the Lord and delight in Him, we're going to encounter some defining moments in our faith. When we realize that our values and our actions are not in alignment with God's values and actions, we're going to have an integrity crisis. Because if we say we believe in Him, then we need to live like Him. Will we live the way we believe we're supposed to by following God, even though people will think we're weird, people will think we're odd? Or will we just go along with everybody else? When you follow God and when you delight in his ways, he'll give you the desires of your heart because the desires of your heart will become the desires of God's heart. 
or your desires of God's heart will become the desires of your heart. You know what I mean. Um, just think that through. You know, I'm self-centered. So are you. We all are. God wants us to have more of a God-centered heart, a selfless heart. I, I think about this as a parent. My kids are in their 20s now. Uh, and when I think about when they graduated from high school, that, that senior year for me was a, was a year of reflection. Honestly, I was reflecting on how well I had done as a father. Um, and uh, I, I realized that some of the dreams and aspirations that I had for them when they were born and when they were little had, had changed. Because when they were little, some of the dreams and aspirations, quite honestly, were a little bit uh, me-centered and not God-centered. You know, sort of like, you know, like this. And look, you know, oftentimes we, we, we hope our kids will be straight-A students and maybe they'll get an Ivy, go to an Ivy League school. Or maybe we think they're going to be the, you know, the next uh, great sports star. And not only will they get a college scholarship, but they'll get a, a, you know, they'll make a living as a major league athlete. Or, or you know, maybe we expect them to, to change the, the business world and be an incredible entrepreneur, and the next Mark Zuckerberg or something like that. But, but you know, as my, as my kids got older, and, um, you, you know, I, I realized that uh, they weren't going to get a sports scholarship, and and uh, I realized that uh, they were good students, but they weren't straight-A students. And, and I realized that, uh, you know, unknown to me if they would change the world. I pray that they will. But, but what I really realized was this. What I really hoped and prayed for and what I wanted for my kids more than anything is that they'd be fully devoted followers of Jesus. Because I knew that that was God's best for them. And I want God's best for them. And, and I know that as fully devoted followers of Jesus, they're going to change the world in small ways and big ways. And that excites me. And it was like this kind of like aha moment. Um, it, it was a powerful time when I realized that my desires for my kids had changed. And I also, and I'll share this with you parents, I also had this experience. I also had those reflections about things I didn't think I did very well as a dad. And God said, Clark, you did your best. That's what I sensed God saying. You did your best. You tried to, to be the best that I've made you to be. So parents, when you get to that stage, talk to God about that. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, modern-day Turkey. And this is what he said. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit says. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Look, the, the self-centered nature that we all possess wants to do what we want to do, when we want to do it. It wants uh, fastness. It wants pleasure. It wants all of that. And that is not always going to be God-honoring. So we need to turn to God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and say, Holy Spirit, guide us, lead us, direct us, help us follow God's way and embrace the things of God, the things that matter, that will last for eternity. Let God's desires become your desires.
I'm going to invite the worship team up because we're going to move into a time of closing, uh, some reflection. And I'm going to ask some questions. The questions are going to be up on, on the screen. They're also on our Facebook page. I want you to wrestle with them. Uh, your temptation is going to be to answer them right now, and that's, that's okay. But I want you to live with these this week, not just answer them. I would encourage you to, uh, to reflect on them. Here's the first question. What desires are holding you back from living the life that God is leading you to live? What desires are holding you back from living the life that God is leading you to live? Write these down or go on Facebook or on our website and and get them and wrestle with these. Here's the second one. What's your bowl of stew? You know, the main desire that you're trading in God's best for. What's your bowl of stew? The main desire that you're trading in God's best for. Here's the third one. How will you get help to overcome the sinful desires that have a hold on you? How will you get help to overcome the sinful desires that have a hold on you? So look, I I, want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to deal with these questions openly and honestly with yourselves and maybe with a friend here's what i'm going to challenge to offer you to help you answer particularly that last question remember the last question how will you get help to overcome the sinful desires that have a hold on you if you're going to be biblical followers of jesus like we read about in scripture then you're going to need to lean on god's word and on god's spirit And you're going to need to lean into the community of Jesus, the church, the body of Christ. So listen, God's word is our ultimate authority. God wants to speak to you about how to overcome your sinful desires. So lean into God's word. Make it part of your life every day. God God wants to speak to you about how to overcome those sinful desires. And and when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, he gave you his spirit to to live in you, to, to, to illuminate what you read in God's word so you understand it, but also to redirect your paths. When you're veering off into your desires instead of God's desires, listen for the spirit's guidance. Lean into the Spirit. And and then this. Look, God's given you a community, the body of Christ, the church. I'm going to ask you to do something right now, and you're going to feel uncomfortable about it. Just look to your left. Look to your right. See those people? They're not here by chance. They're not here by chance. God has brought you to a place where you can connect with a brother or a sister in Christ, where you can connect, and you can have somebody uh, who can walk with you, who can encourage you, who can help you not trade your bowl of stew for something of ultimate value. So I, I want to encourage you to find a brother or a sister or to join a life group and to be real with that brother or that sister or that life group. Be authentic and ask them to do the same with you so you can, you can deal with what you're wrestling with. So before I release you this morning, I don't know if you looked in your bulletins this morning, you saw in the uh, inside on the left-hand side, it says something called support for military families. I don't know if you're hearing each other's stories. You need to get to know one another to hear each other's stories. I I heard something this week I want to share with you. Jo Saxon said this. She said, without hearing someone's stories, all you are left with are assumptions. Yeah, yeah. We, We need to need to hear each other's stories 
Um, we have families in our church, military families, and uh, some of their loved ones are deploying. Some of their loved ones are going to boot camp, and uh, we need to pray for them. And if you know them, you need to support them. And we're creating a, a way to do that. In your bulletin, you'll see uh, Vince and Deanne Heitman have agreed to be sort of our, our connection. They're, they're a military family, and they've agreed to, to work with us who are non-military families to, we can offer our care, our free, loving care to whatever those families need while, they're, while their loved ones are deployed. And for our military families, uh, we need you to tell us how we can come around you and support you. And so you can let Deanne and Vince know. Um, so look, if you can support those families, contact Vince and Deanne. But here's one way we all need to support all of our military, those shipping out to boot camp and those who are deploying and those who are staying here on the home front. They're going to protect us so we can pray for them. Uh, Bob Goff was one of the speakers this week. He wrote a book called Love Does read it. If you're not a reader, download it and listen to it. But Bob said this. He said, I'm not going to say we're a family if I'm not going to live like we're related. We're a family. We're a family related by the body of Jesus Christ, by his blood. And you know what? Families stick together through, through thick or thin, you know? Hey, look, my family life can be messy sometimes, and I know you can be, so I'm not saying that, that families are perfect. But what I am saying is we need to love for one another, you know, through thick and thin. And one of the ways we do that is we pray for one another. So I'm going to invite you to, to bow your heads with me as we pray for those who are deploying and are going to boot camp. Heavenly Father, we are humbled. We are humbled that the brothers and sisters in our very midst would go overseas to protect us. Lord, we pray for your protection over all of our servicemen and women and all of the armed forces. And we pray that you would be with them and that you would protect them and that you would guide them in their missions and bring them home safely. And Lord, we pray for their families that are here. Lord, we pray that in the absence of, of uh, moms or dads or brothers or sisters or sons or daughters, that, that you would bless those families. We pray, Lord, as the body of Christ, we can support them and love them, and we pray that you would work in each one of us to do our part, Lord. And Lord, for those who are headed to boot camp, Lord, for the first time, Lord, we pray, Lord, for them, that you would just give them the, the strength and encouragement they need, that they would know that you are with them and guiding them through this life-changing commitment. And Lord, we pray that we can be a family like you desire for us to be with all of one another. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look, if you want somebody to pray with today, the prayer team will be up here in a few minutes. I invite you to, to go out and have some refreshments, connect with somebody and hear their story. Go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc. 